Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee is infused with both CBD and CBG. can help with chronic headaches, joint pains, IBS, so much more than that, and can be delivered to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks, however frequently that you may need. New users can get 25% off your first purchase when using code DNVR25 at StravaCraftCoffee.com. I am your host, Patrick Lyons. And on today's DNVR Rockies podcast, we've got a wonderful live show in studio. First time in studio with our guest where we're going to break down all things Colorado Rockies, break down some of his articles, and yes, play some more tacos or tears. Look at that look on his face. He didn't he didn't know I was going to hit him with that, but you're the man and you're here. Glad to have you, Evan. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Patrick. Thanks for having me this morning. Excellent. Evan Lang of Purple Row. A lot of fantastic articles that that you've been writing, and you you've you've got a great history. You got a great knowledge of this franchise, and so again, we're not we're playing a fun game like tacos or tears, <laughs> and you're going to be put on the spot. I know you're the guy who can handle it. <laughs> it's not all my guests that I set them up for this this type of pressure, but but you're the man. So yeah, you're take spring, it as a compliment. Bringing this on me last minute here. <laughs> take that as a compliment. Take that as a compliment. So. You know, pitchers and catchers, this is supposed to be the week that they are reporting down in Salt River Fields. I got to know, have you ever been down there before? Is that one of those bucket list kind of things where you got to do it at some point? So I think I might just have really terrible luck because I was originally planning to go in 2020 and then COVID happened. And then I'm like, all right, fine. And then it's like a reward for myself for, you know, a couple really terrible years. I was like, all right. I'm going to go on a vacation. I'm going to drive down to Arizona. We're going to do spring training. And then the moment they announced the lockout, I was like, that's uh, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. And in last year's spring training, too, was one of those things where you didn't know if it would happen or not. You felt somewhat confident, but the owners would have loved to have actually pushed it back. Uh, to, to have less games since ballparks couldn't have maximum capacity. That's also one of the reasons I think we're in this lockout is because both sides have been forced to do things maybe that they wouldn't prefer to do them in 2020 and 2021. So that's a bummer. You'll get down there at some point. You probably, that's would you hope. go down there? Would you go down there if, if spring training this year is God forbid in May and it's already in the hundreds? That's I'd tough. consider it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe. The best part about spring baseball in Arizona is that the temperatures are actually reasonable for a change. It's true. Although the first time I ever did go down there, it was like 94 degrees in in the middle of March, and it was 
shocking. <laughs> but again, you you're in the shade. You know, you're you're going to be okay. Those are the 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 best seats usually in the house that will end up going first. And as we like to say out here in the West, it's a dry heat. So it's it's much much different. Um, I mean, but from everything that you've seen on television, I mean, spring training in Scottsdale is the spot, not only for the Salt River Fields, but, and for the Rockies and Diamondbacks, but also at Scottsdale Stadium, too, for the Giants. You got those two ballparks really close together. Yeah, there's a ton of really, really nice ballparks out there. And it's, you know, such a bummer that spring training is, is likely going to be delayed. There's, of course, no official announcement yet, but the writing's pretty much on the wall and I think has been for a couple weeks now. February 26th is supposed to be the first game for all teams. First game for the Rockies is always against the Diamondbacks. That's one of those agreements that they made when they first built Salt River Fields was that, hey, let's always kick it off between our two NL West cellar dwellers, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, But we don't know if that's going to happen yet. You know, we don't know about opening day, but if they can get this deal done, in, in a week's time, maybe even a little bit more than that, maybe even by March 1st, I don't know if we'll actually have to move opening day back at all. I'd be, if they manage to get a deal worked out, which I'm, call me a pessimist, I'm not super hopeful for at this point, just with the way things have been going. But I think the smart thing would still be to maybe push things back just one week because, you know, pitchers and catchers were supposed to report on Tuesday and yesterday, and obviously that didn't happen. And you want your pitchers to get, enough time to sort of get into lengthening and get ready to go because during that COVID shortened season, we had a ton of pitcher injuries and you really want to avoid that happening, especially when you're going into what will hopefully be a full length season. You could expand the rosters a little bit too, to allow for more pitchers. But to your point, it is more feasible to really just lop off the first week of the season and tack that on in the end, rather than some kind of, reshuffling of the schedule altogether because these teams have already, you know, put down some down payments on where they're supposed to to be staying at various times of the year in various cities. So it it does make it a little bit easier and it will be interesting to see should it come that way of where teams will have to go in the final week of the season when they were expecting the first week. We could even potentially have a team who maybe is in the same city for an entire week because they're supposed to, let's say for the, for the Rockies, I don't think they were supposed to close out in LA, but imagine they open in LA and they were to close in LA and then you lop off the first week of the season and you put it in the back end. You could make for some real interesting scenarios, similar to what the Rockies had to deal with in 2018 mm-hmm. with game 163 against the Dodgers in LA and then flying to Chicago for the wild card game and then going up to Milwaukee. And it was all over the place for, for a week straight. They got, they got a lot of frequent flyer miles during that period of time. Yeah, definitely. And then another possible solution, if they're able to come to an agreement and the, the, the league and the MLB, MLP, MLBPA, pardon me, I believe are meeting this afternoon, uh, possibly while we're still even recording here, but another feasible option is a not a full not a severe cutoff of the schedule, but you could go to maybe 144 games like they did in the '95 season when the uh, players strike um, was still going into spring training. Now the situations are not exactly the same, but it's still a possible solution of if they think that they're going to be able to get something worked out, then losing. You know, 15 games is a heck of a lot better than only playing, you know, 60 games for the entire year or no season at all. 
you called yourself a pessimistic, a pessimist there for a second. And I don't think you are. Look, if, if you are a realist, sometimes you can read the cards and say, they don't look good. It would be pessimistic to say, we are not going to have a 2022 season. Partially because we've never had that situation before, right? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. The thoughts crossed my mind more than once. Okay, you know just what? Just with... <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to help you out here, Evan, and now you know I'm going to have second thoughts. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely <laughs> trying though. Like the ideal situation is that we we do get a season, and I'm always hoping that we'll be able to reach an agreement that'll make it so that can happen. Because uh, no matter which side you're on, it's the fans that lose. Because yeah. you know, there's people who want to buy tickets or, or playing things around this, or just plain old love of the game, and it's the sport of baseball that is suffering. Yeah, I, I wonder if it makes it more likely that we'll still have a season of, of some length that we had the 60-game season in 2020. Like, did the pandemic maybe improve the odds of having some kind of season? Because at a certain point, even if you still have this work stoppage and an MLB-orchestrated lockout going in until, say, June or July, at that point you go, well, what's the point of having a season? And then there is no season you know, in, in the middle of the summer when baseball is supposed to be at its height. And now, because we had the 60-game season, we understand why it was the, the best of a really bad situation. We could kind of squint and go, it is better than nothing, and it's not totally out of the realm of possibilities because we just had that situation happen only two years prior. I think the real question is, um, so in order for the owners to lift the lockout, they, I think, do want a new CBA in place. The question is, um, whether they get the CBA that they are looking for, because if they were to look at lift the lockout now, um, I believe per like federal labor regulations, the old CBA that ended at the end of the 21, 2021 season would continue through negotiations. And I think the question would be, and un- unfortunately for a lot of things, it comes down to profit of they, they, the owners took a large hit to profits in the shortened season in 2020, but because they've already done that, would they be more willing to take on more losses in the 2022 season, especially if they now don't have to pay players? Yeah. And, and the players took a loss too, obviously. I, it's, it's so interesting too, because even if they lift the lockout, it still doesn't mean we don't have a quote unquote work stoppage. I was trying to explain this to someone who was, you know, a sports fan rather than maybe a, a baseball fan mm-hmm. is that in 94, 95, it started out as a player's strike. Then essentially when that year ran out for that, that CBA, and we'll get back to that in a second, it became, okay, well now you're going to be locked out. The owners locked the players out. So it was really one side orchestrating how these negotiations were going to go on. And the reason the players were even able to strike in the first place in 94 was because of what you said, the CBA, the CBA had run out and they needed to get a new one. And both parties said, all right, well, we'll just play, you know, under, under the regulations of the previous CBA, which allowed the players to have the strike. And then we had no world series in 94. So even if the owner said, okay, well, you know what? We got to negotiate it, but we're just going to lift the lockout. Nothing necessarily changes. They would still both have to decide, are we going to go to spring training and try to have a season? They would still have to kind of negotiate that. And if they couldn't work that out, or if the players went ahead and said, okay, well, now we're, we've got the strength. We're going to strike. We're still in the same position. So, you know, on, on one hand, shame on the owners right now, but you, you also understand it, it, that is just part of this negotiation, unfortunately, the ugly part of the negotiation. Yeah, and I think... It would have been a lot more likely to happen, I think, to continue playing on the CBA 
if the owners didn't immediately initiate the lockout right after that CBA ended, because then what happens is the, it was what, 43 days before um, the owners came to the table. And I think then the slow progress has caused a lot of acrimony on both sides of the table, but it's like the owners with their, with their very slow um, personally, I think potentially um, intentionally slow negotiating tactics causes it to there really be a lot more friction than there needed to be because you could have gone before December 1st, you could have been like, all right, look, the negotiations are going to be tough. Let's both agree right now that we'll at least get the season going in 2022 under the new CBA. And we will continue to negotiate with the goal of by the all-star break, have a new CBA in place or something, but that didn't happen. And then the lockout and now it's just, things are very sour feeling where it's honestly tough to get a good gauge on what exactly is going to happen. And I think the way things go this afternoon with that meeting between the two parties is going to be a big indicator of what happens next. Yeah. The meeting on, on Thursday going down between the players association and major league baseball, a lot's going to need to change. And, and really the, the questions that we had going into this, still exist. Now we, we know more. We know a lot of the specifics of, okay, well, you know what? Players aren't going to worry about gaining free agency at age 29 and a half or 30 and a half, whatever it may be. And, you know, again, they've backed off on some things. I don't know if the, that the owners have really backed off on too much, but we're still dealing with the same general idea of, are the players going to get paid their fair worth? Because, the whole system is supposed to be predicated on the idea that you put in your time when you become a free agent, even if you know your best years are behind you, you're going to make your money, and and it's and it's going to be all for the best. And it, it, in the long run, it's going to work out. And that hasn't been the case. We've seen salaries dip outside of those you know players on the high end, the superstar players. Salaries are are, are dipping in in a real major way in that middle class of the players association is, is falling by the wayside. And so we have the exact same situation here after about three months as we did right when we first started. Yeah. And, and it was, uh, Kyle Freeland was talking about the other day that, you know, it's such a big thing of like, oh, I got to look out for my guys because you have people down in the minors who bust their butts for years. They finally make it to the big leagues. And then, you know, you're what 30 years old and you'll still have to wait six years to hit free agency. And by then, you know, your, your real ability to get, no matter how good you are, your ability to get your maximum value is pretty much out the window. And, you know, there are, there are definitely perks to it, even making it to the major league level. But a lot of these guys who are not your superstars are, are going to struggle and struggling through the minor league conditions, which are a whole different story. And then making it to the big leagues and then not being able to capitalize for at least three years to go into arbitration and then six years to hit free agency is is really frustrating because not everybody's gonna gonna bust into the league at like age 19 or 20 like your Juan Sotos and and even people who are busting in at like 25 26 a lot of in the Rockies farm system especially a lot of our guys are a little bit older like uh, 26 and older we have a couple of guys who are you know 27 or 28 who are looking to finally make that breakthrough and some of the younger guys on the big league roster are sort of in that age range as well. There is obviously a lot made of service time 
manipulation for young prospects to kind of slow down their clock and to get an extra year. Obviously, we saw that with Chris Bryant and the, and the Cubs, and you know he ended up losing a case on that. But I think there's also that manipulation that impacts free agency and impacts some of these veteran guys when you consider the fact that with players having so many options. And that's one of the things that's being discussed is can there be a limitation on options going back and forth from the majors to the minors? Because if the owners can employ a, a, a rotating cast of characters, uh, certainly not trying to accuse the Rockies of this in any way, but you can look at last year's roster and say, wow, they had five rookies in their bullpen that they rotated through. Now, Lucas Gilbreth obviously got a lot of innings and you know was fantastic, and so he was he was up there for the, the entirety of the season. But you can look at those guys and say, well, if we rotate through four or five of these guys, that will really eat up three roster spots. And so now we don't need to go and spend money and overspend, really, on a free agent reliever. And so we're going to save money in that capacity, which is why the players want the minimum salary to come up so it doesn't become as easy for these teams to do that and and manipulate service time because as you said three years you finally get to arbitration we know about super twos but three years of service time is not the same as three years there are some minor league free agents uh, that i was breaking down as you know as we had to at the beginning of the lockout and said well the Rockies and other teams, they could sign minor league free agents. Hey, what kind of gems are there? And the Rockies may have a gem in Kyle Holder. But there were a couple guys who you look on their baseball reference page and they've actually been in the majors in parts of about 10 or 11 seasons. Yeah. And yet they've never reached free agency. And it's like even <laughs> we, and Daniel Bard is 36, almost 37. And he's arbit, he's an arbitration player right <laughs> now. And the, the Rockies, especially with the option thing and bouncing people back and forth. Um, we've talked about this before. But the Rockies are are very guilty of, of, I would say, not abusing options, but using them way too frequently where they bounce guys back and forth and back and forth until they don't really have any option left but to have them on the big league roster. It happened with Raimel Tapia. Yeah. It happened with Yonatan Daza where these guys have been optioned back and forth so many times that, well, now we don't want them to leave the team, but we have to give them a roster spot. And it's not that they're undeserving of the roster spot. Ramel Tapia and Yonatan Daza both had had really strong seasons last year for the most part. But they reach that point where you don't really have any other options. And then that ties your hands behind your back for moves you can make with like free agents or, or anything like that. Because, well, left field's now tied down by Ramel Tapia because he's out of options. And we need to play Yonatan Daza because he's out of options. And we need to make sure this pitcher is in the rotation because he's out of options and stuff like that. And... It doesn't allow you a lot of leverage in a trade negotiation because the other 29 teams know, hey, you're kind of forced to either cut this guy, designate him for assignment, or make this trade with us. So you're going to get pennies on the dollar on that. Yeah. But but one of the, the options I do think it's important to bring up is the option to have a member-sized beer here at the DNVR bar, which it's only 50 cents for your first month at thednvr.com. You get the bigger member-sized beer when you're down here on the corner of Colfax, New York, you get discounts. If you have an annual membership uh, and you just sign up for that bad boy, you actually get a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com, including that new Rapids tee that's been out. That's absolute fire. I love that. 
See our producer, you're here. Well, you can't see it, but I can. He's got their shirt on right now. He's repping it. He is so proud. He's got a big smile on his face right now. That shirt is uh, it's fantastic. You might, I might have to get rung up for one uh, after we get done recording for this. So, so many really great benefits. The members-only Discord where you can ask us questions directly and, and talk to some other people in the community. It, it's fantastic. Again, that's the DNVR.com. And we've always got the Breckenridge Brewery on tap here, the official beer and the official seltzer, the hard seltzer that they've got good company hard seltzer they've got a 15 can sampler evan that i like to call it the tap pack for number 15 it's it's perfect it's got a little bit of flavor of everything you can pick that up king super safeway anywhere you go coolest thing is they do have a portion of their profits donated to the uh, national parks conservation association another cool local company that we've got here in Colorado is Lana, excuse me, is Lightshade and Wana. Now that the holidays are over, look, you're trying to turn over that new leaf and you're still maybe a little bit tired, but that's okay because Lightshade Colorado's premier dispensary has a solution and it's Wana. No matter when you take them, Wana Optimal's fast asleep gummies will leave you feeling rested and refreshed in the morning. It's not like that over-the-counter stuff that's gonna pump you up full of drugs and feel make you feel a little bit groggy not the case Juana's carefully calibrated formula contains 10 milligrams of cbd with just a hint of thc that will get the eyelids feeling heavy in just five to ten minutes and in just zero minutes you can't do this yet evan because i need you on the show but anyone listening to this in zero minutes right now you can order your Juana optimals fast asleep gummies at lightshade.com and you can get 25 percent off your your purchase with code dnvr at any of Lightshade's 10 Denver Metro area locations. Again, that's Wana Optimals, Fast Sleep, and Lightshade. So Evan, a lot of articles that you pump out on Purple Row do an amazing job. I'm not even sure exactly where to go with it, but your your jersey reminds me of one that, that just came out today. You got your number one, the hamster. I don't think that's his official name, G-Hamp. I like hamster. Do you like hamster? I like hamster. Hamster, Hampy, G-Hamp, really any of them are good. There you go. But but a good modern-day utility player that the Rockies have. And you just actually wrote an article this week on one of the first guys for the Rockies, uh, Terry Shumpert, a name that doesn't get thrown around a lot. But you know what? We're going to throw it around today a little bit, aren't it we? It should be thrown around a lot because I love <laughs> Terry Shumpert. When when I was a kid, which is when he was, he was really playing for the Rockies, 98 to 2002, uh, he was the utility guy, and I really, really liked him a lot. And that's sort of what inspired me to just write this article this week. It's like, you know, things maybe not so great in the world of baseball, but hey, I can write about this player from the past that I really liked and, you know, draw references to what the Rockies do today because the Rockies love their positional versatility. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they have a long history of employing utility guys, but really in terms of overall versatility, nobody did it better than Terry Shumpert, who played during his five years with the Rockies every non-battery position, so every position except for catcher and pitcher. What's interesting about the case for Shumpert is we don't see players like him on the Rockies in in multiple ways. One, in that he's a veteran utility player because the Rockies have realized, and it makes sense, that, look, they can develop these utility players in their own system. And again, going back to what we were talking about in the first segment, do it on the cheap, where you're paying them the league minimum or even if you're in a first, second year in arbitration, it's $1, $2 million, where as if you go out, I mean, look what the, the Cubs ended up paying for Daniel Descalso a couple years ago as a free agent. You go, oh, wow, really? For guy who might be one of the last players on your bench 
Well, yeah, that's that's what it takes. So if you can develop those guys, it makes sense. And in addition to that, it's the idea that you have, you know, not a an everyday starter, but a guy that's going to come off your bench and start on a couple days. The Rockies haven't really had a guy like that since Gerardo Parra. Now, he, he eventually turned into that. He was their starting left fielder for a while, but you got to a point with Dahl and Tapia that you could say, you know what, we don't need him to be an everyday starter. And I think that's been one of the biggest things that they've been missing is players that have been a little bit more reliable on their bench and, and have that veteran presence versus all young guys all up and down the bench. That, that's a tough spot and a tough uh, position to be in. Yeah, and when, when Shumpert came to the Rockies, he was like 30 or 31. Yeah. Uh, so he was not this young gun. And he started off uh, back at the beginning of his career as pretty much exclusively a second baseman. And then as he begins to move through the majors and latch on with various different teams, he just picks up more and more positions. And like the amount of positions that he plays just keeps growing. And, you know, some he's going to play less than others. Like, you know, he's not going to play first base that much. And he's probably not going to be in center field that much. But you can still put him there in a pinch. And that's something that the Rockies have really been been doing with a lot of their younger guys. Like Hampson has played uh, second base, shortstop. We've seen him at third base a couple times. He's been in the outfield. Um, Connor Joe, they um, they play him at first. They play him in left field. There are uh, there were rumors that they were planning to try and teach him maybe second base or shortstop. Uh, don't know how much weight that holds, though. It's definitely an option because he's got the got the range for it. I think positionally. But the the veteran utility man, I think, is an important part of every team. You've got it with like um, you know, Chris Taylor with the yeah. with the Dodgers started out that way, and the the Rockies have tried it a couple times with like Chris Owings, um, and Owings unfortunately with his injury history though when he has played he's actually been really solid, yeah. which. Chris Owings, the, the signing of Chris Owings and the affection that this team has for him gets a lot of flack, but we have seen in the at least very limited sample size that he can be a quality contributor. But then the issue is, you know, we have so many other young players that where does that become an issue of him blocking them? But at the same time, I think you always want to have, uh, I think every team you want to have a, a utility or super utility man. And with, with Terry Shumpert, he was really the best of that, especially in, 99 and 2000 where he had to step up a lot in a team that was very much in transition and very much in a flux where like Dante Bichette is gone and you have Mike Lansing at second, but he's traded. You have openings and injuries and all these various Vinny things. Vinny is out of there at that point too. And the, the 1999 season was not a very good season. It's a very <laughs> bizarre season when you look at it. Lots of players that you would not really think of to remember and a ton of players who did not pose positive war like uh Dante Bichette that year had negative war because defense because right? defensively he struggled yeah but then you have all these other um guys there were only three positional players in the team's top 12 war right. for that year and that was Larry Walker and Todd Helton and then Terry Shumpert with his 2.4 for that year everyone else was a pitcher yeah, that that was a rough time to to say the least. And I think, as you brought up, like Chris Owings about about the flack. I think you know people who listen to this podcast, and I think you know who who read your work. I think they're able to differentiate between Chris Owings, the ball player, and the idea that okay, there are a lot of holes on the roster, and that's 
that's your solution to it. <laughs> that's where the flat comes in and you go, okay, the idea of any player, not Chris Owings, but any utility player being added on a minor league deal. And, and again, that, that speaks a little bit to the player or their situation uh, as much as it does, you know, the, the lack of commitment and, and maybe spending a little bit on the payroll. We understand with the pandemic to a degree, but uh, it's, uh, it's certainly an, an interesting situation. And, you know, because Garrett Hampson has been really successful, I think he's, you know, I don't, I don't know if he'll ever, you know, truly break out or, or we'll see him, you know, for 145, 150 games a season, either in center field or just kind of bouncing around all over the place. He really has, you know, set, set the tone a little bit for the organization to be able to have more confidence and rely on these young guys. You know, I was talking with someone about like Coco Montez and you go, all right, hey, second baseman, great. He's got a little pop in the bat. And you go, hey, put him in the outfield. He might be able to do some things. And you almost get excited about a utility player because of what Hampson was able to do. Same was true of Brett Boswell before he got hurt last year. And you go, hey, okay, Brett Boswell, I'm getting a little bit excited. So yeah. that's a very apt jersey you have today for <laughs> Shumpert, for Hampson, and everything he's doing. And you can see them keep developing too, Roland. You've seen Hampson develop a little bit of pop in his bat where – you know, when he first comes to the league, he's really very much a slap hitting speedster in terms of your uh, utility format. I love like D Gordon, D Strange Gordon from mm. the the Mariners, Dodgers, and the the Marlins. Is and where's that, he at now? Uh, I don't know either. I'm just sorry. I think it's with the Pirates actually. I love I love how you were really trying to nail all his teams. I'm like, wow, I I would have tapped out on that one a he, lot sooner. He was with the Miners with the Reds last year, and <laughs> yeah. I think he signed on with the Pirates this year for a minor league contract. But it's that thing where he's like. Hampson is a, a stolen bases threat, and he's got the speed and the defensive range. But then he's also been developing. So his his batting average, not super great, um, but he has the ability to hit home runs. And that's really something that the Rockies do value in their bench players, the ability to you know come in and, and slap a couple home runs in addition to being an on-base threat because he can pinch run and everything like that. But he's just got the speed and the range. And you do see that in guys like Coco Montez down in the minors where I really like Coco Montez. I think if, if slash when we have spring training, I think he is definitely someone to watch if he gets an invite to that. But um, the Rockies, at the same time, they'll have something cool like that they do that weird thing where they handcuff themselves to veterans because of their, their grit or veteranosity or whatever. We saw it with Drew Butera for far, <laughs> far too long. We saw that with when they signed Daniel Murphy to the major league contract and stuff like that, where there were other moves to be made. And in, instead they sort of go, well, we'll bring in this veteran presence and veteran presences are great, but you also need a veteran presence that is going to regularly contribute and, and more so than um, just, you know, on the field, I always think that clubhouse presence is a really, really big deal. And that's something that I think we've been really missing with Gerardo Parra, who you brought up earlier, yeah. is that he was the real live wire, get everybody excited, get everybody pumped up veteran presence that, you know, even if you're a bad team or a losing team, you still want to see your guys having fun in the dugout because at the end of the day, you're playing you know, the greatest game on earth and it should be fun. Yeah. With, you know, obviously with Arenado trade last year, loss of John Gray, loss of Trevor story, who stepped up in that place as the guy for the post game interview and whatnot. Now that clubhouse doesn't even have that veteran presence outside of Charlie. And, you know, you got to wait an hour until after the game. Cause he still has a workout to put in, but there really isn't any of those guys like who's leading in that, that clubhouse. And so you need, 
veteran presence. That that actually be a, a good pun for maybe a, a podcast. Vet, <laughs> veteran presence, but P R E S E N T S. Yeah, veteran gifts for the <laughs> roster. I like talking about guys that get overlooked or you know either have gotten a bad rap. And you've written about about a couple of them. Nate Greep being one of them, where he was a good pickup, one of those minor league guys. You you don't even recognize it it's not that it's not worth your attention but look there's 162 games in the big leagues that's we're Rockies fans like that's what we're focused on not a minor league signing like Ashton Godoa's and you go I don't know who this guy is and that's fine do some things and now we'll pay attention to you that's true of Nate Greep who he's done some things I know Willie McIver has spoken really, really highly of him. So has Frank Gonzalez now his pitching coach down in Albuquerque and he's been a player that Again, you could say he might be able to help out the major league bullpen in 2022. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely thinking that if there's a year for him to break into the majors, this is it. Because outside of his first professional season, when he was drafted in 2015 with the Milwaukee Brewers, Nate Greep has had a really, really strong minor league career. Yeah. And despite that, he's never really played that much in AAA. But I think he he deserved a shot because he's got strong stuff. Like you said, his catchers and his coaches speak really highly of him. And the fact that he is still, you know, really pushing for it. He's, he's one of the older folks in our farm system right now where he's 28, 28. or 29 years yeah. old. <laughs> but he's got solid stuff. And I think it's time to see if that stuff is going to play at the big league level. He's certainly, I would say, earned it. And I know that it's a lot of these guys can, you know, get looked over as sort of like a, a flyover player, like a flyover state, because, you know, farm systems are big and a lot of the focus goes towards your numbered prospects, your ranked prospects, sure. like on MLB Pipeline or Baseball America or stuff like that. And, you know, that's not Nate Greep right now. But at the same time, Nate Greep is a guy that we really should be taking a look at, especially when that bullpen is going to continue to be in flux. Yeah, again, based on everything I've heard, you know, he's he's a player in the game that could contribute. And, you know, you kind of look at guys in the past for the Rockies, whether it was, you know, Joe Harvey and, and Zach Ross Cup and bits and pieces, and you go, if things can go right for this guy or they can stay healthy, you you may have something. And so that's the case with, with Greep. Also, you wrote about a, a, one of the newest players uh, on the Rockies, only played in the complex league, pitched about, I think, four innings. But Tyler Ahern, another one of those Florida State guys uh, to pair along with uh, outfielder Robbie Martin. But he looked really nice, and uh, you had some good things to say about him over on Purple Row as well. Oh, he looked great in the <laughs> ACL. And especially in his his final two seasons of college ball, uh, were really strong, and I think that's what the led, led the Rockies to draft him, and that's why I had him on my draft board for some of the later picks because he was a huge prospect out of high school. And then uh, his first two college seasons, as he's working to adapt, he did struggle a little bit, but then his final two college seasons, he was really, really good. And then he comes down to the Arizona uh, Complex League and pitches some really strong innings there. And I, I know that the Arizona Complex League is a small sample size, but I really do think that Tyler Ahern has the ability to be a breakout guy that you know nobody really saw coming. Sort of like Lucas Gilbreth. It's like, sure, I, I love Gilly, but I don't think a ton of people at the beginning of last year were expecting him to be one of the major breakout players. No, and here he is with this incredible rookie season, and I, I, I have high expectations for for Tyler Ahern. I think he's a really, really great addition to this team. And I'm really, really thrilled to see what he does. I think 
it's tough to say where people are going to land in terms of minor league assignments, but he definitely has a chance to rocket up those early minor league steps relatively quickly. Yep. Uh, we'll get a chance to do that because again, there might be a lockout, but that does not impact minor league baseball in any way. So we're going to have our eyes a lot more on the minors than we have ever before. Uh, are you, are you in the market for buying a, a home yet? I wish. <laughs> you wish. Well, that's okay. And you know what? You might even be just a little bit scared about what's going on out there with your finances, but don't because you can tap into Chevalier Mortgage because their ultimate goal, one of our sponsors here, is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. They strive to give their borrowers options with the full financial picture in mind with the highest level of integrity, always putting borrowers first. And keep in mind, if you are a homeowner right now, there's natural equity in your home. So you can make the bubble work for you and still get something done. It's something my parents did. They were able to move from New Jersey, come out here to Colorado. They got a house. They're closing on it really quick. They'll be moving in very soon. And so all that thanks to Chevalier Mortgage. They've got a fun perk for you right now where DNVR listeners can visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578 or visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. You hear, I don't know if you've got air horns in the studio there, but now would be the perfect time to set them off as we dive into another round of Evan's favorite game, Tacos or Tears. There you go. Oh, you bring your own sound effects too. I love that. I love that. You you are a utility podcaster. There you go. Evan is a utility podcaster. I, I appreciate that. All right. So for anyone that doesn't know how the game is played, you got to identify four Rockies players. Two are going to be on the current 40-man roster. Two are going to be all-time greats, like Terry Shumpert. They're, I got guys a little bit better than Terry Shumpert, so I think you're going to be okay. Each clue I read you get one less point. So the first clue of the seven clues, if you get it on the this random first clue, that's the whole point, uh, to make it hard, you get seven points. If you get it on the last clue, guess what? You still get one point. You need seven points to win. And let, let's just get into it. And let's some of get... these clues can be like, oh, he went to Ralph, Dr. Ralph H. Poteet High School. That's right. In Mesquite, Texas. Now you're just showing off your knowledge. By the way, who who did go to? <laughs> that was Pokey? Jason Jennings. There which you go. I, I whiffed on that that hint. That's for sure. But I will never forget it. Now, <laughs> as painful of an, as an experience as that was for you, though, now though, Evan, you have a trivia question that you're going to impress people. It's great bar trivia when you're down here at the bar. You can win a couple free bets and go. I have a question you'll never get. Boom! Now you got one. All right. First guy up for tacos are or tears. Tacos or tears. This man first made the 40-man roster in 2015. Still for six points. Once homered off a position player. Can is it you... is it Herman? Yes, it is. Yeah. Herman Marquez. Herman, oh my God. Herman Marquez hit his uh first major league home run against Daniel Descalso. I'm flabbergasted. The whole point is to make this really hard. He got it. Yes. With only two clues. My man. Yeah, he first made the 40-man roster with Tampa Bay in November of 2015. And yes, 2018, he hit one off of a former teammate, 
Daniel Descalso. Former teammate and Rockies utility man, Daniel Descalso. You know, maybe if I hadn't, if we hadn't <laughs> brought him up, it wouldn't have planted that seed. You know, nah. damn. When you gave me position player in 2015, that's when I, I knew it. Because I love Erwan. Okay. He's one of my favorites. I can't even necessarily think of another Rockies player that has hit more. I, I'm sure they have, but that doesn't necessarily stand out as one of those things. Got to create a database for that now, too. Every <laughs> Rockies home run off, off of, the, of a position player. Yeah. Well, the other clues are going to be he received a Rookie of the Year award votes. He's fifth in 2017. Two spots ahead of Kyle Freeland. He's a wild thing. That's where I was going to throw you and make you, you know, try to get you to start thinking about Carlos Estevez. He's wild because he led the NL in wild pitches in both 2019 and 2021 with 14 and 15, respectively. Uh, he's worn two numbers during his career. He won. Oh, what was uh, he wears 48? Now. I can't give you any more bonus points because you're going to win here after like two go rounds. I think he wore 60 something when he first made his debut. 67, yeah, 67 and 48. Uh, was born in Venezuela, and so maybe now you're narrowing it down to say, okay, maybe is it Antonio Sensatella? And then finally, was not originally signed by the Rockies. We know he was signed by Tampa Bay in July 2011. All-star, owner of some hardware. So, wow, you you are on the board with six points here already. I, this is, this is going to be the <laughs> quickest round ever. All right, I hope you don't get this one here. I'm going to have to just read the clues that much quicker. All right. Right off the bat, tacos or tears, Evan. Here we go. He made his major league debut before the Rockies. All right. Was traded by the Rockies to acquire Lamar, Colorado native Scott Ellerton. In the hit by pitch category, he holds the club record with 58. He held the franchise record for most strikeouts, 748, for a decade. He has given up the most home runs in team history. Has been rotation mates with Hideo Nomo, knuckleballer Tom Candiotti, Ismail Valdez, Oral Hershiser, and Pedro Martinez before joining Colorado. It's not Daryl Kyle, is it? No. And he was traded for Eric Young Sr. in August of 1997. I'll read them again. So far, every time I've done this, everybody has got at least on the last clue. And now I don't feel so bad since you are still dominating. You got out to such a big lead. I'll read the clues again. I remember Scott Allerton. He made his MLB debut before the Rockies. He debuted in 92, Rockies in 93. Was traded by the Rockies to to acquire Scott Ellerton, one of six players born in Colorado to play for the Rockies. He has the club record for 58 hit-by-pitches. He, of course, did it as a pitcher. Jamie Wright is next with 56. Held the franchise record for most strikeouts for a decade before Ubaldo passed him up in 2011. Has given up the most home runs in team history. Was rotation mates with Nomo, Candiotti, or Hershiser, Pedro Martinez. What team would that have been? I think I got it. And I feel bad for not getting it. Or is it Pedro Astacio? Pedro Astacio. I should have gotten that because I love Pedro Astacio, but it just wasn't clicking. I'm not going to give you a point on that one. No, that's fair. Only because it, you know, the game would be over at this point. But no. you got it, yeah. Number 34, He's, played with the Dodgers, played yeah. with the Mets. Uh, is actually uh, consulting with the Rockies in their Dominican Summer League. I did group. see that. I did see that uh, when they had the list of coaches, uh, Samuel Deduno. So that was really great. That was kind of one of those stories that has flown under the radar almost a little bit because you go, hey, that's great. Bring these guys back in the fold, especially a guy like Pedro Stasio, who I probably should have had a clue in here about. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's 
He doesn't hate the humidor, but it, it angers him because he didn't get to benefit from that. He was <laughs> very, very underappreciated pitcher. Still is in many ways because you have great Rockies historian Evan Lang not getting him after all of these clues. So I think he's fairly appreciated by Rockies fans, though. He was named yeah. to the team's all twenty-five uh, in the great in point. The, uh, in the 25th anniversary season. Very true. Very true. All right. Next one up uh, for tacos in tears. I'd, I'll be shocked if you get this one here. Actually it's gettable, but let's see how quick the brain works. All right. How the wheels go in, in the, in the hamster wheel aptly for your <laughs> Hampson Jersey. All right. His first game as a professional was with the Orem owls. His cousin is former catcher, Chad Moeller. Oh, God, you got that look in your eye. He wasn't signed by the Rockies so much as he was given an invitation to play for them. Close your eyes, picture a mid or small market team, and he's played for them. He's been voted the player of the month at least once in recent memory. Is this CJ Crone? CJ Crone. There you go. Because the, the Orem out, I didn't know he was cousins with Chad Moeller. Yes. Uh, does, I, that doesn't pop up on his baseball reference page, but uh, his his brother's a former big leaguer. Yeah, uh, Kevin was drafted by the Los Angeles Angels, uh, whose affiliate, the Orem Owls, recently moved to Northern Colorado. That's right. Uh, Got the minor league invite, right? Uh, and, and he played for the Rays, the Tigers, <laughs> the Twins, the yeah. Angels. That's right. Yeah, Angels maybe not so much small market, but 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 since the team he was drafted with, as he's gone out into the free world, <laughs> the mid market and small market teams love him. Yeah, was the player of the month in August. Uh, I was also gonna have a clue about it. he was recently in court. Uh, was gonna put you know his hand. He's recently touched a Bible, but I guess that's not actually true anymore. When you go into to court, you you just have to like swear or pledge some kind of oath. You don't have to put your hand on the Bible anymore. And the last clue is going to be his brother, Kevin and his father, Chris are not as good as him at baseball. <laughs> so you want it. You, we've got tacos here. <laughs> Everybody has now won free tacos at Taco Bell. You can redeem them at your nearest Taco Bell at three thirty-three AM in the morning. <laughs> Swing on by. They are very rigid with that timeline. Uh, do you want the final one? Yes, you do. I know you do. You're, you're, you're addicted to this kind of pain. Uh, I like trivia. You do. And I didn't, I didn't make these as hard and then not a knock on you, but I decided to, you know, th say, uh, he was a, a switch hitter through college. Like these, these are too vague, but I also think you can get these on number seven. I, I think it's very possible. All right. So this is for everybody out there, including you, Evan tacos or tears. Let's dive into it. This player was the 2002 Carolina league MVP with the Salem avalanche. When he entered free agency, his club received a compensation pick, which was later used to draft a Cy Young Award winner. His middle name is Bonte. I believe that would be the pronunciation. B-O-N-T-E. I imagine it might be a family name. His final game came as a member of the Los Angeles Angels. He had Tommy John surgery in 2011. He homered and tripled in the 2007 World Series, we're heating up here, was an all-star once in 2009. That's probably the big one. I don't know if this one will help at all, but he actually played first base in the minors, but Todd Helton. So he moved to right field. Oh, Brad Hop? Brad Hop. That's right. Bradley Bonte Hop. 
So you threw me. I had no idea about the Bonte. You, <laughs> that, that threw me off so much that I was like, what? That's uh, that definitely is is a strange one. Yeah, it was the 2002 Carolina League MVP with the Salem Avalanche. Uh, he was released by the Rockies and Tampa Bay in a very shrewd move. So uh, the Rockies received a compensation pick that they were they ended up using in, in 2011 to take Trevor Story. And you go, hey, stroke a genius. They could have had an extra one if they had just kept Brad Hop on the roster. Uh, but as it were, Tampa picked him up and they got a compensation pick which they used on Blake Snell, 2018 uh, American League Cy Young Award winner, middle name Bonte, final game July 22nd, 2013, had Tommy John surgery in 2011, so he missed all of 2012 before returning with the Angels. He homered and tripled, tripled in the 2007 World Series, batted 250, eight strikeouts and 16 at-bats, was an all-star in 2019, and yeah, was, uh, was a first baseman. And so now you look at it and go, oh yeah, his defense was never that great, that's because he was a first baseman, and you had Todd Helton there. So you make the best of the situation there at, at hand. And I think Bradley Bonte Hop. Bradley Bonte Hop definitely made the best uh, there, of that situation. Trivia. It's a good one, I think. <laughs> now you can add that one to the the Ralph Poteet High School down in Texas for Jason Jennings. Uh, Brad Hop, another Texan. He he shows right. up. He trains with Sam Hilliard during the off season. Uh, I believe the believe the two are acquainted. Yeah, another guy that you want to see back with the organization, bring him back all of these guys that mean so much to to us, to, to Rockies fans, because they they were pivotal in not only that 07 and 09 postseason run and, and, and the, the, the real Rocktober that we had in 2007, but look, they're just important players. It's like with Garrett Hampson, who you know didn't play huge, in the postseason in 17 and 18, but guess what? He's now kind of, he's made his mark on all of our hearts. And so we'll see what happens in the future for him. But when you go back and, and you think about the late 2010s and the early 2020s, people are going to go Garrett Hampson and you're going to smile. And we need more of those guys back in the fold. Yeah. It's like guys who are, you know, never going to be hall of famers, but can still hold a lot of, you know, sentimental value or emotional yeah. value in terms of their contributions to the team. And man, I'm going to be, so, if we, if we lose Garrett Hampson in any way, I'm going to be so sad. <laughs> Don't take him from me. <laughs> well, well, it won't happen yet. So that, that's maybe one of the, that could be the, the best case, worst case scenario is if the lockout ends, but then immediately Garrett Hampson is traded. Let's hope it's just good news for you, Evan. Follow him and, and read all his work at, at Purple Row in the podcast description of this. You can check out some of his articles. We'll go ahead and, and link those, but follow him on Twitter at Evan underscore Lang 27. Always great articles that Terry Shumpert won. Uh, definitely a, a must read. And, and we got it next time when you're back. Talk about the replacement players. Oh, that was such a good, that was such a fun article to research. It, that, I, I'm, uh, I'm a bit jealous, in fact, that you got that one out there. That's great because, again, so many people might not realize that the first game ever played at Coors Field uh, was played long before Dante Bichette walked it off with the shucky ducky fist bump. So uh, great work on that. You can follow us on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm at DNVR. No, I'm not. I'm at Patrick <laughs> D Lions. The D stands for DNVR, of course. And so for DNVR Sports, he's Evan. I'm Patrick. Same for producer. You hear this has been great. It's been fun. But you know what they say about momentum? It's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So we'll talk to you then.